on the job with Francis Leach. On the job, the podcast all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you. Now, like a lot of you, I had my first experience as a worker in the world of retail, in the world of fast food. The wonderful Maya Food Hall in Melbourne, which is not there anymore, which is a shame because actually they were a good employer. They but they paid above award. They gave you plenty of hours. You got all your entitlements. I know, hey. Imagine that being treated like a worker with dignity. This was a long time ago, folks. I'm an old bloke. This is true. Uh, but you got a pay packet at the end of the day, uh, and the pay packet actually had money in it. Those of us that remember going to the pay office and getting our little yellow slip with the cash in it. Oh, simpler times. But anyway, I do digress. But lots of us do have our first job experience working in retail and or fast food or a combination of both. But imagine working in a place where you work for long hours and you're supposed to, under the agreement you have with said employer, like McDonald's, have a 10-minute break every bunch of hours so that you could, I know, outrageous, but you might want to go for a drink or, heaven forbid, you might want to use the toilet. Well, it's simple enough. It's written to the agreement. But what we've discovered or what the SDA has discovered is that McDonald's has, over a long period of time through its franchises, been denying workers in their stores, 323 operators, their 10-minute breaks, their paid breaks, which they're entitled to, often telling workers that the best they could do was swap their break for a sip of a drink only when they were allowed. Now, this is really important because there's a big, big court case, one of the biggest of its kind, heading towards the federal court at the moment with the SDA taking on McDonald's and saying, hey, you need to pay that money back and, hey, you need to stop this. You need to give people their entitlement, let them take their break and do the right thing. So we're going to catch up with Jared Dwyer, the National Secretary of the SDA, very, very soon about this court case. But to start things off, to give you a sense of what that was like, you're going to meet Grace Becker. Now, Grace lives in Taralgon in regional Victoria, and her first job, like a lot of us, her first job was in the retail food sector with Maccas. And I spoke with Grace a little while ago and asked her what was that like, because she was one of those people that McDonald's exploited because she was young and uh, they could get her to work and they didn't give her the breaks that she needed. Grace, welcome to On The Job. How are you going? Good, thank you. How are you, Francis? I'm not too bad. Uh, Tell us, where were you working? How long were you working in in the fast food world? So I worked at McDonald's in Taralgon from 2014 to 2019. In about 2015, halfway through the year, they opened up a second store in Taralgon and I um, went to that store. So I worked at two stores in Taralgon in about five years' time that I've been working there. And in that time, did you notice or were you aware that you're entitled to breaks? So how did it work out that you finally realised that things weren't the way they were meant to be? So um, when I was first hired, I was told by my crew trainer during my training that we were entitled to a paid 10-minute rest break, but the store had an arrangement where instead of a paid break, we would get a small soft drink or water, which we would be required to leave in the crew room and access when we get a chance after, of course, confirming with the managers that we were allowed to step out and have a drink. So instead of the 10-minute paid break, we were just allowed a small drink. And you're a young worker. You're not really, I guess, in a position, unless you're really bold, to go, hang on a sec, I know my rights. I want my 10-minute break. So you sort of do what you're told. Yeah, exactly. You do what you're told. Towards the end, I did start asking a few of the managers, like, come on, you know, it does state that we are allowed to have it. And they just said, well, that's not how we do it at our store. So too bad essentially. And, you know, that's not really okay because we are entitled to it. You know, you can't really 
deny us a drink. <laughs> you shouldn't have to have this argument. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? As a young worker, you're doing, what, eight or nine-hour shifts sometimes, on your feet the whole time, dealing with the public. Yeah. That can be good and bad as well. So it's pretty intense at times, and you weren't allowed any break at all. No, no, unless it was like over a five-hour shift. So like an eight-hour day, you would be allowed to have a half-hour break but that was unpaid and that was like rostered into your roster. You know, you had like a half hour unpaid break. Whereas this 10 minute break is actually also meant to show up on your roster, but it never did. It was never on anything. So anything over four hours, you were meant to get a 10 minute pay break and we just never got it. And if you're on fries in the kitchen, you know, it's hot in the middle of summer, you can't even go and get a drink. You can't go to the toilet. It's just, it's really not okay. <laughs> you can't go to the toilet. Sometimes they wouldn't. So we'd have these lockdown periods. So during like lunchtime, dinner time and breakfast for like two, three hours, you would have to be stood at your station and you could not move. So within those periods, you could not get a drink. And if you could, it was like a quick, you know, 10 second run and grab a drink and come straight back. So it was, yeah, you were never really allowed to go to the toilet or get a drink during those periods. That sounds positively Dickensian, the whole thing. This is supposed to be a company that, that prides itself on being a good corporate citizen, but it sounds like it's anything but. There's been times where it's just you wonder how they get away with it. And that, towards the end, I started, you know, saying a few things and sticking up for it because I was like, well, you can't deny us of water. You cannot legally deny us of water. So what's their excuse? And they were just having drinks on shift and we couldn't even have it. So it's just not really okay. It sounds like a really unpleasant place to work. Did it feel that way as a consequence of the way you were being treated? Some of the managers really understood what we were coming from because they themselves were crew and just got promoted. So they understood completely, like, we should be allowed to have drinks. But a lot of the others did make it quite uncomfortable. You kind of wanted to know what manager was on so you knew if you were going to be dying of thirst that day. <laughs> you know, it's not really good at all. No, it's, it's completely unacceptable and it, now that's the reason why the SDA is taking this action is to try to redress this and also get your money back, Grace. Have you got any understanding or any sense of, given how long you work there, how much money is owed to you? All those 10-minute breaks that should have been paid, they add up. It does. Like I actually haven't even really thought about it and honestly, my point is that they're just you know taking advantage of young kids who just aren't going to say anything and that's more the point is they can't get away with this stuff. Is that the biggest lesson you learned out of this was A, you got to speak up for yourself. B, you've got to join your union so that you can speak together. Yeah, 100%. Because as soon as I saw it on Facebook, I just saw a post about the SDA, you know, 10-minute water break. And I was like, well, <laughs> what 10-minute water break, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to be doing this because it's just unacceptable. And the fact that so many stores have come out with these complaints and stuff, it's just insane. Yeah, it shows that the organisations, big ones in particular, are easily able to isolate individuals and take away their rights in that circumstance, person by person by person. But when everyone starts to talk to one another and work out that, hang on, that's happening to me as well, that's happening, we're all getting done like this, then you can get together collectively and then you've got some power. Then you can actually push back, huh? Yeah, that's where the SDA really came in and has helped do this really big push. I didn't realise until it got announced how many stores and how many employees were actually affected. I mean, obviously I knew down here it wasn't ideal, but I just didn't think it was as big as it is. (laughs) So, Grace, where are you working now? Have you got another job that's making life a bit easier and happier for you? Yeah, they just stopped rostering me after a certain point. So I've found a new job and I'm just a receptionist. And, um, yeah, it's, it's much better. 
much more consistent hours and a much better working environment, not getting yelled at and abused by customers and the management. So, and you <laughs> and go to the toilet when you I need want. to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like almost a step back into school again when you have to go and ask to go to the toilet. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> No, you know? that is not on. That is not acceptable. And no. I'm so glad and really wrapped that you and others like you, workers, have actually raised your voice to push back on this. And the big thing about yeah. it is that you'll make a difference to the next crew of kids coming through and working in these roles that they won't have to put up with the crap that you did. That's exactly what I am doing it for is I just don't want people to be walked all over the way I was and the way that I witnessed other people treating us. It's just not acceptable. So Anything I can do to help out those younger ones who deserve so much better, that's what we're here for. <laughs> Good on you, Grace. Thanks for being on the job with us. <laughs> no, thank you, Francis. You have a lovely day. Grace Becker there, working at McDonald's for many years as a young person now in a much happier place in a new job, which is great to hear. And she is party to that court case, which is happening with the SDA. In a moment, Jira Dwyer from the SDA is going to talk to us about the court case and its implications. This is On The Job with Francis Leach. It's On The Job, the podcast all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you. Now, Jared Dwyer is the National Secretary of the Shop Distributive and Allied Employees Association, otherwise known as the SDA, one of the country's biggest unions looking after retail workers in all sorts of retail, a lot of fast food workers as well. And they have taken on McDonald's in this mega court case. They're calling it their mega case against the fast food giant, seeking $250 million in compensation from more than 300 of its franchisees for cribbing people's breaks. 10-minute pay break for every four hours or more on a shift that they didn't allow their workers to take, sometimes not even allowing them to go to the toilet, as we heard from Grace earlier, and just basically ripping them off blind. So I spoke with Jared Dwyer to have a chat about this and what the consequences are, not just for these workers, but for workers in the future. Jared, welcome to On The Job. Good to be here. It seems that retail workers and fast food workers are particularly vulnerable to employers crimping on their rights, such as meal breaks. And I guess this is what this huge case that you're running against McDonald's is all about. Yes, Francis. And I mean, I guess one of the things we've seen in recent years, and I think that the the commentators all now agree uh, on this point, and that is the best defence that working people have inside their workplaces are to be unionised because if you want to look at the instances of unpaid superannuation, uh, unpaid wages or untaken breaks, quite often, uh, almost universally, it is in places where the union isn't able to operate or there is very low levels of unionisation and that's a common uh, issue that we have. And if you go into well-organised workplaces, the overall pattern is people get their breaks, people get paid their correct wages, and people get paid their superannuation. So a big organisation, McDonald's, at least a big brand, has a bunch of franchises which might have individual owners or operators actually running them. Is there a great variance in the way that they're run or is you seeing this pattern over the whole terrain of, say, a McDonald's where this particular case has been uh, you know, your major focus? Well, we're seeing a real pattern of the non-observance of rest breaks right across the brand. They've got over 300 franchisees operating today. Our claim actually captures more than that because we're keen to recover 
the entitlements after those breaks in the form of money for people who may have had a McDonald's business in the last six years but have, have now sold that business to another franchisee. So I don't think it would be any surprise to listeners to learn that McDonald's is a very process-driven company. Their systems, people look at their systems as an example of how you do achieve consistency across a brand. Uh, Whether you buy a Big Mac in Perth, Melbourne or Brisbane, you will find no variance at all. And that's the same for all of their products and This is what we're discovering when it comes to unpaid breaks or the fact that people didn't get their paid breaks have worked through them and we say are now entitled to monetary compensation for those untaken breaks. So we're quite confident and uh, what our evidence will show in the proceedings is that this is systematic uh, and we'll also allege that it's deliberate. And a process-driven company like McDonald's, uh, we say they had visibility of this, it can't just happen or be said to happen as one-offs when you've got franchisees that we'll put before the court from every state and territory and we say there will be every franchisee that we'll be able to bring evidence to the fact that the paid breaks were not given. So, Derek, give us an overview of what's been happening here. So, McDonald's workers across the country over a number of years have been under pressure not to take their breaks, have been told they can't take their breaks, have been told they can exchange their breaks for a trade-off like a drink, which you know, you'd expect an employer to provide for them anyway. Give us your sense of just how this worked and how it was able to go on for so long. It works usually in one of two ways. One uh, way is that people are told that they can have a soft drink, for example, in lieu of a paid break and keep helping themselves to a sip of a soft drink during their, their shift. We say that that's not a paid break. A paid break is your capacity to down tools, have a rest. You might go outside, you might go out the back, but it is rest time that you're entitled to, to recharge your batteries and be ready for the remainder of the shift. The other way that it works in some franchise and corporate operations is micro breaks. That means they give you a minute here, two minutes there. All little micro breaks that they say at the end of the shift adds up to 10 minutes. I should say there is a third category where you just don't get a break at all. But those first two are the most common. And has it been a problem? Yes, this is a problem that the SDA has put on the table in the last round of negotiations, which didn't result in an enterprise agreement, but the negotiations before that did, and there were actually changes made to try and get better observance of breaks in the units. And over the years, we've actually dealt with multitudes of one-off situations where people that raise break issues with us, we'd go in, get it addressed, and then you know, you'd assume that the uh, the systems had been rectified and were now back in place. But we actually got to the point where we hadn't satisfied ourselves that any of our actions to date had actually seen a change in behaviour. So early last year, we actually started to file actions against McDonald's for not taking breaks. And then what's happened more recently, after some 18 months of really hard organizing work, gathering of evidence, we filed what we're referring to as our mega claim. And that's the claim that picks up franchisees in every state, every territory, and including corporate stores. And we say, conservatively, there's around about $250 million that we'll be claiming in money that needs to go back to McDonald's workers, both 
current and former who were not given the breaks that they were entitled to. And that's a really important point, is that uh, incremental but rolling growth of money that hasn't been paid, it, it adds up to a significant amount of money, which basically amounts to a form of wage theft, doesn't it? Well, well, it does. I mean, this is, an, this is the non-observance of a legal entitlement. Uh, that's what we're alleging. And yes, the money actually belongs in the pockets of those predominantly young Australian workers, and for many of whom it was their first job. And we want people to make sure that when they go to work, particularly their first experience in work, it's a positive one. We want people to get paid properly. We say in this instance, uh, their breaks weren't observed and they're entitled to have that made good by a large corporation who has got the capacity to put in place very strong systems. And for whatever reason, uh, and we'll be pressing this in court, what drove this? Uh, but for whatever reason, we'll allege that those breaks were not given and there'll even be managers that we'll, we say will be putting evidence on the record um, that instructions were, that's the way it is, okay? You're not getting a break, that's the way it is. So we want that type of approach to stop. We want these young workers to get their breaks as they're legally entitled to and that's the whole purpose of this action. Get people the money that they're owed, but also change the system going forward so that today's McDonald's workers and those of tomorrow get the paid breaks that they're entitled to. And we're also talking about two 10-minute breaks over a nine-hour period. So you would suggest from that, in fact, we know that that is a very modest impost on the employer given the amount of time these workers are on their feet, basically, and in that customer service role as well. And as you said, very young workers, high turnover environment, very demanding, and at times could be you know all sorts of folks walking in and out of there. It might seem like a simple job, but as a first job, it's pretty high pressure in lots of ways. Working fast food is hard. Yeah. Uh, it's quite intense. And the systems that the uh, young workers have to learn uh, and learn them very well, they're legendary, okay, in terms of young workers that have been through, you know, the fast food environment, they're used to working under pressure. And unfortunately, we found, particularly during COVID, they've also been the subject of inappropriate behavior from the public. So, Young workers working hard at different times of night in selected locations, not being treated with the respect that they deserve. So a whole range of issues that these young workers uh, have to deal with. And we want to push forward on all of those fronts, and we are. We've got show people respect campaigns in place that we refer to as no one deserves a serve. We've got this action to make sure that people now are getting their breaks. We've got a range of uh, health and safety engagements right across the sector. It's all designed to try and make sure that um, these young workers are supported and learn in a positive environment and get all of the legal entitlements that they're due. Just on the wider you know, terrain when it comes to retail workers, which I know that the SDA has huge coverage of, the last couple of years have been really, really intense. How is your membership holding up off the back end? We're still in the pandemic, but off the back end of the height of the pandemic and the demands that were on them. And I guess during that, a lot of the sort of rights that we've been talking about, they would have been under pressure as employers maybe sought to take advantage or were desperate in circumstances to try to see if they could crimp in order to, to stay afloat. What's your read of the state of the nation in that regard? Well, if you look into retail, particularly essential retail, there's a couple of things that were at play. Um, one is I actually think the industry stepped up and worked 
constructively with the SDA and with the trade union movement, primarily through the ACTU. And I guess that working as an industry and as a union movement did see some significant steps forward for health and safety in the stores. And now I'm focusing on the essential retail. So think supermarkets, think petrol stations, think bottle shops, the screens that went up to provide better safety for people during the height of the pandemic, Uh, the signage, the hand sanitizer and cleaning activities that took place in stores. All of that was a positive. And that was a good example, I think, of industry and unions working together. And also, the, uh, I guess, the promotion of the no one deserves to serve, i.e. people need to treat essential retail workers with respect. Uh, we got some really good initiatives in place. And uh, I think there's, the industry can be rightly proud of the advances in that space, but certainly there's, there's far more to do. But now where are we, you know, two and a half years into the pandemic? Well, quite frankly, the workforce is tired. Our members are tired. It's been a grind, an absolute grind. And people haven't had uh, the capacity to you know, step back and sort of operate in a normal retail environment. Now, even today where COVID is not discussed as often on the news as we say it should be, people are still feeling the effects because we have had to hopefully now coming off the last peak, but big spikes in numbers. And that led to a lot of people having to isolate either because they were a close contact or because they had the virus themselves. All of that puts extra demands then on the workforce that is able to attend on that day. It's been intense. Members are tired and still doing a great job, still doing it with a smile, but we shouldn't pretend that it's, it's been hard and, and people continue to feel the burden of that. And I think you know it's probably a while yet before we get to the end of this and people are able to have really good, sizable breaks, freshen up and be able to come back and provide you know, that terrific customer service that our members do provide on a daily basis. Do you sense a change in attitude or a shift in public perception of the importance of these workers now, given uh, when the pandemic first struck, we realised just how vital they were to our everyday existence? Or is that starting to wane? Or do you think that that was a significant shift? No, no I think there was a significant shift in terms of people actually recognising the work that our members do as essential, that was a real positive. So the vast numbers in the general public have always engaged with our members in a respectful manner. That continues, but the good thing is we actually have seen that go to another level and a lot of our members will report people just unprompted saying thank you to them. And that always makes for a more pleasant work experience when the work that you do is acknowledged. Unfortunately, though, we still have that small percentage of the Australian public who think it's their God-given right to unload on a frontline retail or fast food worker. That's not acceptable, never has been. We'd like to think that the incidences over the long term will lessen, but at present, we're still seeing those instances out there. Yes, it's a minority, but that minority is making it really unpleasant for our workers on the front line. And we still see surveys that are done where, you know, some 80% of our people will report that they've been victims of customer abuse sometime in the last month. And quite frankly, it's not good enough. And we as a community need to lift our standards. 
It's nowhere near good enough. You're absolutely right. Hey, just to finish, Jared, what's the next step in this uh, legal case with McDonald's and uh, your uh, quest to get this $250 million in compensation paid back to the workers who, who deserve it? The court at present is engaged in, I guess, best way of referring to it is, is timetabling. Okay, so we've got directions, uh, listings that are dealing with how does this now proceed? The SDA's submission is that we have, you know, we've got about 10,000 respondents to our outreach. So 10,000 people have given us an enormous amount of detail which we can put in front of the court. We'll be using what we say are representative samples to assist the court to get through this in a timely manner, but we'll be guided by the court. Um, how many of those are actually perceived then to full hearing is in the hands of the court. We'll be ready to go with all of them. We think there is a way through in terms of using representative cases to show a pattern. We say that those patterns are systematic. We say that they've been overseen by McDonald's over the last six years. And whatever amount of evidence that the court asks us to bring until they're satisfied of our claim, uh, we'll do it. But we shouldn't make any mistake on this. This is an enormous case. It's the largest of its type ever before the federal court. Uh, So when it proceeds to full hearing, there will be a large number of days of evidence. So we expect that this case will be still underway well into next year and maybe even to the back end of next year. But The bottom line is we want those young workers to be compensated for the breaks that they weren't given and we want the young workers of today and of tomorrow to ensure that they get the breaks that they're entitled to. So this is about making good, but it's also about making tomorrow better. Jared Dwyer, thank you so much for being on the job. Thank you. With Francis Leach, this is On The Job. Jared Dwyer there, the National Secretary of the SDA, talking with us here on the job about that mega court case that they're running against McDonald's. And also, really interestingly, you know, just where things are at for people in the retail workers uh, area at the moment, given the incredible demands on their time and energy uh, and their, their threats to their health while they work through the pandemic as well. We thank Jared for being with us on the job. We thank you for listening. We want uh, to make sure that other people can find the podcast as well. So if you can give us a rating on your favourite pod app, wherever that is, it really, really does help. I know I say this every week, but it really does help. Give us a rating and a review and some stars, whatever it is their rating system might be. It pumps us up in the algorithm and helps others find the information and inspiration I really, really appreciate it. Uh, You can follow me at St. Frankly on Twitter and I'll catch you next week here on The Job. Bye for now.